Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your guide to the latest news and culture. As winter approaches, we are thinking about activities to do when it gets too cold to spend as much time outside. Activities like games. But where does our attraction to games come from in the first place? Whether it's chess, Scrabble, or even sports, human beings have been playing games for thousands of years. So can games teach us anything about ourselves? At least one philosopher thinks the answer is yes. C.T. Nguyen is fascinated by games, and in his book Agency as Art, he argues that just like music, painting, or film, games are a form of art. So, Professor, it's not every day that you get to talk with a philosopher of games. I'm super excited. So at one point, I know that you were a food writer. How'd you end up moving over to this topic? I think as a food writer, I was always like thinking to myself that, you know, I'm writing about this thing, but a lot of other people write about it. I wish I had been, you know, around for jazz and I could have written about, I could have been a critic at the birth of jazz. Mm -hmm. Like it would have been so fantastic. And at the same time, I was in graduate school, obsessively playing board games and writing about them online on this site that a lot of people know now called Board Game Geek Mm -hmm. Uh, and writing about like what made new board games fascinating and interesting and wonderful. And I, I somehow hadn't connected those two sides until later on when I started thinking, oh, you know, I'm already doing the kind of art criticism about a new form. And that's games. Like if there's any new art form for our era, like it's unquestionable that the yeah. the form that's exploding right now is games. So if you had to sum it up, T, what do you think makes games so special? Um, games are special because they actually transform how you act and what you are. Um, I was really interested. So I was really interested in what made games a distinctive art form. Like one of the things you often find in the history of art is that when people have some new art form like photography and they're like asking like, is this important? Is this real? The first thing they try to do is to force it to conform to old art standards. So in the early days of photography, people tried to like blur the lens and scratch up the film to make it look like impressionist painting. Mm -hmm. And it took decades before people thought like, Oh, we should lean into what makes, we should lean into what makes photography special. In photography's case, that was the ability to catch a moment, an unexpected moment perfectly. Yeah. And so I think people, when they talk about games, like there's all this stuff about why, Oh, games are an art form. And they always talk about how video games are an art form because they're like movies because they have cinematography. But I think what makes games special is they tell us what to do and they create a space for us to act. And when games are really clever, they can make that action like intensely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like they bring out the best part of being like an active human. Yeah. You know, and thinking about board games here, some have beautiful artwork or maybe a storyline that you're following. Right. So but that's not exactly what you mean when you talk about games being an art form no that's the stuff i think that people reach for because because they have this paradigm of art that comes from like the museum or from english classes like what makes games unique what makes them special so my favorite board game designer 
the German board game designer Reiner Knetia okay. says the most important thing in his game designer toolbox is the point system because the point system tells the players what to care about. I think that's this incredibly interesting thing, right? This is something you don't get in other forms. The designer creates a world and then creates a you and it, the designer tells you what to care about and what kinds of actions you'll take, whether yeah. you're going to be like cheating people or manipulating people or like trying to buy out their stock. And that is the thing that I find so interesting that yeah. a game designer creates a self and then throws you into a world and makes it so when you occupy that self in that world, you're doing cool stuff. You're doing fascinating stuff. You're being brilliant. You're being graceful. All these like <clears throat> lovely actions just come out of you. You emphasize all of this in your book. And, and so we're clear, T. Explain the difference between a game and something that has a point system, because it, it sounds like the two right. aren't always the same. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good question. So um, the 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 most useful discussion here for me is this earlier philosopher of games, Bernard Suits. And he says that what a game is, is something where you voluntarily take on unnecessary obstacles to make possible the activity of struggling against them. Let me say that one more time. I think yes. this is the heart of it. It's voluntarily taking on unnecessary obstacles to make possible the struggle against them. So, I mean, the simple way to put it is the games are when you take up I mean, another way he puts it is that games are taking the long way or taking the hard way. Mm -hmm. Like games are when you take on a constraint that you don't have to take on because you want to struggle under that constraint. Like a marathon, you're trying to get to a finish line, but you're not just trying to get there the fastest way possible. You uh, could take an Uber or take a bicycle, right? Right. You put on the restriction, no bikes, no taxis, because you want to be running it yourself. So for me, one of my favorite games, besides board games and computer games, the game that obsesses me is rock climbing. I'm a rock climber. Okay. And you're, you're trying to get to the top of this cliff, but you don't do it the most efficient way possible because you could just like take a helicopter or walk up the back. <laughs> True. Or, yes. Right? Like El Capitan, like uh, a lot of the Yosemite climbs, you could literally take a shuttle up the road up the back. The reason you don't, the reason that you're trying to get up this thing and you're taking on this restriction where you're only going to do it with your hands and your feet mm -hmm. is because you want the fascinating struggle. You want the challenge. The precise movement. Yeah, you want the challenge and you want that specific challenge. In climbing, it's like, it's like combat yoga, right? Like climbing is like intense <laughs> balance and complex decisions um, and like weird little delicate balancing movements. You, you can't see me right now because of the radio. But Are like you rock climbing? I, I'm like <laughs> miming rock climbing in the air right now. I can picture because it. Because it, like, it feels like the way – like having these precise, subtle, flowing movements that the rock pulls out of you, like that's that's the, what you want. That's the thing that you crave. Yeah. Same, same thing with chess, right? That's You're pulling these precise – so sometimes I think like we get these in normal life. So there are these moments in life where we get to do something and it's just like delicious. There's some action. Like I, for example – I love packing a too small moving van. Like there's not enough space. <laughs> right. And you like have to like turn your. Figure out how to. Couch. 
configure everything right. to make it all squeeze in. Yeah. And if you love that, <laughs> if you love that mental exercise, you can do it once every, you know, three or four years and it's always stressed out. But then there's Tetris, right? Someone came up with a game to concentrate that action and just give you the coolest part for as long as you want. Yeah. You know, something that you point out that's kind of strange about games is, is that the goals of the game don't really matter outside of the game. Yet we become so invested in winning the game. How yes. do you make sense of that? I mean, it's in some sense, it's like a brute fact that a lot of the rest of the world ignores that we can just do this thing. So this is not like, it's not every game. So I think some games, the goal actually matters. So I mean, like, uh, if you're playing world championship poker, you're doing it because you want money. Uh, so in my book, I distinguish between two motivations for playing a game. One is achievement play and the other is striving play. So achievement play is when you're playing because you actually care about winning. Mm -hmm. And striving play is when you get yourself to want to win, but only because you want the joy of the struggle. You don't actually care about winning. And this is this is a really common attitude. Like this is the attitude when you play like charades yeah. at a party, right? You think like, let's have fun. Let's play a game. And then the game is only fun if you try to win. But you don't actually care about winning. And the way that you can tell is that if you lost the game, but you had a lot of fun, yeah. you don't think you wasted your evening. Right, right. You're not right. like, you're like, great, right? So yeah. I think charades, like a party game is a clear case where you try really hard to win. That's where the fun comes from. But afterwards, you're like, who cares if I lost? Like, right, right. If you, it's if true. You get mad, right? And then you, you, you just you're not you just, getting what you're doing. Yeah, and you just start reminiscing about all the funny moments that happened throughout the game, yeah. whether you won or lost. So, so to me, it seems like what you're saying um, is this act of playing the game is an art form, right? So, so players are artists in your view? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes players are artists. But uh, this is, uh, I think the game, the game designer in a lot of cases. So one of the things I think an artist does is they manipulate little bits of the world, knowing how that'll make something beautiful come out of it. So like, that's what a writer does. That's what a painter does. Yeah. But a lot of the times a good game designer can manipulate the rules and the point system and they're doing the manipulation that makes the beauty happen so when i play one of my favorite board games so one of my favorite board games is this incredibly cynical delicious game from reiner knizia called modern art where you're all like trading artwork with each other yeah. as dealers and then like you know then the market buys it for what based on how many trades you make right you're just manipulating the market mm -hmm. um and I, the player, have no idea why my actions are so cool or beautiful, right? I'm just playing these rules. I'm just following the rules and trying to figure out how to win. I'm making decisions based on whether or not they'll make me win. Mm -hmm. And they happen to be incredibly beautiful or interesting. But I didn't intend that. But the designer, Reiner Knizia, here's the one that like spent years fiddling with the point system and fiddling with the rules so that when players played it, they were all somehow, the actions were all somehow super fascinating or super interesting. Yeah. So the person that really understands the relationship 
between rules and points is the game designer. I see. That's why they're the artist. So clearly there's a lot of joy and satisfaction tea that we get from playing games. There's also a flip side. You, you say that there's also something dangerous about games. Can you talk a bit more about that? Right. So I, I'm really worried. So a lot of people worry about like games making you violent. And I think there's actually a lot of research that that doesn't happen because we know that violence in games is fictional. I'm really worried that what games really give us is this attraction to incredibly simplified and clear value systems. Games are one of the beautiful things about games are there's this moment where we get where life becomes uncomplicated, right? Like my life, my actual life is miserably complicated. Like, like I have kids, I have a job, I'm supposed to do a billion things. I don't know how to measure off, you know, like I don't know how to measure off the value of working for an extra hour with spending an extra hour with my kids. And that's nauseating. But in a game, that goes away, right? A game tells you exactly what to do. It tells you exactly how it's measured. It tells you exactly how much everything is worth. And so you can know what you're doing for once. And my worry is that we can get addicted to that in a game and then seek it in the outside world. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like is all you care about is your Twitter likes and retweet numbers. All you care about is the rank of the university that you got into. All you care about yeah. is how much money you make. Yeah, that's so Twitter, I'm really worried. That Twitter Sorry, thing yeah. is really interesting. I was reading your paper on just you know going into how it... Twitter gamifies communication, yeah. right? Um, yep. You were talking about how it makes conversation into something like a game. Yeah. Can that be said I'm, for other social media apps too? Just that, that quest all, for popularity and going viral? All of them. And it's not just social. I mean, people act like it's a new thing, but I think the social media stuff just – I mean, okay, here's the thing about Twitter. There are all kinds of reasons you could go onto Twitter. You could go onto Twitter to connect with people, to understand things. But Twitter doesn't measure how much people love you or how much wisdom they've received or how much connection they have. It measures one thing, which is popularity. So if you get excited by the game of Twitter, then your motivations are going to fall in line with popularity. And popularity is much thinner than all these other motivations. So one of the things that makes games exciting is that the values are simple and clear. And one of the things that makes gamifications of real life terrifying for me is the values are so simple and clear and it's like everywhere i mean so i can like are there things in your line of work that feel like these incredibly compelling clear metrics so i worked in newspapers for a while and for us it's page views and like the number of clicks you get same thing here dominant number yeah same thing here in in media in journalism right yeah how i mean how how motivating it is it is it for people in your field and i mean what's lost in your form of journalism, when people get super into that, I mean, just be the ability to tell the stories that that matter, and not not so mm-hmm. much you know what is going to tr- attract people's eye, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the constant tightrope that we have to walk here, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I have the exact same thing. So in my research life, there's like what I care about, but there's also like the number of citations my papers get, which is totally different. And there's like, there's, there's like actually helping students understand things and then student evaluation satisfaction surveys, which measure something totally different. Yeah, We know, right? Like, how do you get high students student evaluation scores? Make your tests easy, mm-hmm. right? So the more, 
the more so my worry is the more you crave this game likeness and everything yeah the more you'll be drawn to simplified shared value systems in the world yeah this episode of reset was produced by andrew merriweather and was edited by ethan schwab Want more great conversations about arts and culture? Then subscribe to our podcast. There's plenty more episodes just like this for you to listen to. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating. That helps more listeners find us and supports the work that we do. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's talk again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.